Welcome to the Geek Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, Josue Cardona. With me today is Dr. Ali Matu, the science fiction psychologist. Um, he has a PhD in clinical psychology, and he's out of New York City. Ali wrote an article on um, fan outrage that is kind of the basis for this conversation. So um, really excited to have him here. Ali, welcome to the show. Josue, thanks, thanks for having me. I've been uh, a big fan of the podcast for a long time now, and it is, uh, it's an honor to be on it. Thanks for having me. We finally got to meet. We met really briefly in San Diego, and then we got to hang out um, at New York Comic Con recently. I know um, New York is your base of operations. What are you doing up there in New York City? i um, doing a little bit of everything. So I, um, I'm a recent uh, PhD. I got my degree last year, um, and then after that I did uh, a year uh, fellowship at NYU, and I just wrapped that up. And now I'm just uh, about to start at Columbia University. I'm going to be at the uh, Clinic for Anxiety and Related Disorders. I love treating anxiety, all sorts of anxiety stuff, whether it's social anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, that kind of stuff. Um, I also do a lot of um, hair pulling treatment, trichotillomania, and skin picking. That was kind of my um, big research area in grad school. Um, but I think you, you said it. My favorite thing to do um, is uh, being a science fiction psychologist. Um, so I, I write about the psychology of science fiction at my website, brainknowsbetter.com. And, um, yeah, that's kind of a little bit of, uh, of all the stuff I do. And, and you're not the first um, clinician to come on the show. But today is the first time we're going to give a disclaimer because uh, we're, we're going to talk about a few things. And I think the clinician in us will probably point out a few things about anger and anxiety and things like that. That's what we do. And um, so this is for informational purposes. We're going to have a fun conversation and nothing that we're giving is clinical advice. Uh, so do you agree with all that? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, it's, it's sometimes um, it. It sometimes might get confusing, I think, for people listening to this because, yeah, you're right. We're both clinicians. But absolutely, this is, uh, this is kind of for information. It's for fun. I think some people might find this information useful, but it's definitely this is not a clinical conversation. We're not acting in our roles as, uh, as therapists. Yep. And if you have, um, if you're struggling with, with uh, severe anger, severe anxiety, you know, reach out to a therapist in your area. Um, look online, um, ask around and, um, you know, don't, don't just uh, rely on, on the things that we're, we're going to talk about here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you are in an emergency situation and you feel like you, um, you're worried about what might happen to you, um, get some help, go to hospital, call 911. There's a lot of great resources for that. And um, there's, there's a lot of help out there. Now, how often do you think that people um, get to a point of nerd rage where they need, um, <laughs> where they need to talk this out with a therapist or, or, or actually like call 911 because it's so overwhelming? I don't know. I don't know. We don't, well, uh, that's more rhetorical, um, hypothetical. So, so let's talk about nerd rage. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about fan outrage. What, what exactly are we talking about here? Oh man, that's a that's a great question because I I think people are probably listening to this and they're like, well, nerd rage. What the heck is that? Have I ever experienced nerd rage before, and or a geek rage, or whatever you you know? I use geek and nerd interchangeably. Um, 
So yeah, I just sent to see it online as Nerd Rage, and I love the way that that reads. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Nerd Rage. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, so it's um, it, you've got you got different levels of anger. I, I think there's irritation and frustration, which is kind of like small level stuff. It's it's kind of like your boss might send you an email where you know something that you thought was due at five p.m. is actually now due at three p.m. You might get irritated, you might get angry, or you're sitting at a restaurant and someone bumps into you. That might make you irritated or mad, or you know. But and then you got that second level, which is more like anger, which is getting getting angry. Something something bigger has happened to you. Maybe someone. Uh, this happened to me the other day. Um, I'm a huge fan of boba. Do you like boba, Jose? Have you ever had boba bubble tea and stuff like that? Um, no. Okay. No. It's uh, bubble tea. Is boba like a, a type or? I think boba. I think it's the same thing. So I think boba yeah. is just what the the tapioca balls are called in the drink. For anyone who hasn't had it, it's like a a juice drink or a tea drink that has these tapioca balls in it. It's uh, in kind of an Asian fusion kind of thing, and it's uh, you can also get like aloe pieces in it. Anyways, this is a total tangent. Yeah, and I, to, to be honest, I thought you were making a bounty hunter reference. Oh, like a Boba Fett kind of. <laughs> oh my god, that would be so cool if you have a Boba restaurant or Boba shop, but it's Star Wars themed, and it's like all these bounty hunters inside. And you can, only in New York. Oh my god, that would be amazing. It's like you can order a Slave One. Um, you know that that'd be awesome. Um, I'd, I, I, that's a great idea. I think we need to register that domain name before this podcast goes out. Um, but I was uh, there's a great boba place here in New York City that I love, um, which is right below um, uh, a comic book store. So on Fridays, a treat that I usually have is I'll go I'll go to the boba place, and then afterwards I'll go to the comic book shop. And this time I was bringing some home for some uh, friends, and I was uh, I was coming home. I was carrying this boba, and then right as I was getting out of the subway, this guy just slammed into me. The boba broke, and it like spilled all over the ground, and that that produced a much higher level of anger. So it's it's not the irritation, but it was really anger, nerd rage, and and just rage in general. Is is even greater than that. I, I think it's a a feeling that completely overwhelms you, and you feel this intense, strong urge to act and to do something, um, and to do something aggressive usually. And it's it's problematic, right? Like it's it's it gets to the point where either physically you're not feeling well. Um, again, that urge to do something may be aggressive. So it's not it it doesn't necessarily feel good. No, That's no. How you know what it's there. Yeah, yeah, no, it really doesn't. It's um, for some people. I think it might be really scary. Um, mm-hmm. Those feelings that you're having, you might feel like you're losing control. Um, you, uh, people might push or break things, or they might be worried that they might hit someone else. Um, they might hurt themselves. Um, so it's a it's a really really intense feeling, um, and it's it's a feeling that people usually combined with like an impulse to do something immediately yeah and and of course this is like rage in general and then the nerd part right comes into it because i think i think geeks um in general it's it's like i equate it with passion Mm -hmm. right so we really really care about certain things we love um certain things a lot 
And, and it's when things are related to that, to those things that we love, that nerd rage happens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so you've got rage, which is kind of like Hulk getting really pissed off. And then you've got um, nerd rage, which is it's, it's combined with the things you love. I, I think you said it really well. Um, and I, I like how um, Simon Pegg and, and Will Wheaton talk about being a nerd and a geek. And it's really just about really loving something that you are just so passionate about, um, uh, really geeking out about these things, going into them in depth, um, having conversations, sharing it with people that you love, um, and being very proud of these interests. So it's like, it's when stuff happens there that Mm -hmm. causes you to turn into the Hulk. Um, And I think there's, uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I think there's so many examples of stuff that's happened uh, that's caused uh, nerd rage. And I think it's going to be cool to hear from listeners. Um, Hopefully we'll get some feedback about what their experiences have been because I think we've all been there. We have all experienced this. Yeah, yeah. And I think we each brought our own list of examples. But really this is, we've been having kind of conversations around this and you wrote a whole article about it when a few months ago the internet exploded <laughs> right when it was announced that the new batman in the new movie with superman would be portrayed by ben affleck yeah yeah i think i think the internet wow. might have exploded that day um I know. It was the first time I ever wanted to do a a like emergency Google Hangout with all of my geek therapy <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. people. And I was serious about that. Like, we'd never done that before. There was no plan. Yeah. Now it's like, I hope it's something that we can do in the future if it happens again. Yeah. But, and I remember somebody um, from IGN.com, he actually started, he, he started up his, uh, a Hangout for that. And he called it the, um, the Ben Affleck is Batman support group or something <laughs> like that. And he immediately started transmitting and answering people's questions and having people calm down. It was it was unbelievable. Twitter exploded, Facebook, everything. It was unbelievable. I love that your immediate reaction was like, to the Batcave, assemble the Cortex Crusaders. Uh, That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I, I think that's, that's how a lot of people felt. Um, there was... Uh, I think um, io9 had a list of the top 50 greatest tweets about Ben Affleck becoming Batman. And people were saying some really vile things, um, really, really angry things. A lot of the thing- comments were really funny. Like people were making fun of like his Bostonian accent and how uh, like Batman would be talking like, you know, all, you know, however Bostonians talk, all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, there was, it was very clear that, um, the net was pissed off. I remember, um, Dragon Con happened shortly after that. I remember there was a guy with a Batman t-shirt and just uh, a Ben Affleck, like face, yeah, like on a string kind of wearing it. And just like the reaction from everybody around him was unbelievable. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. I, I can only imagine. Um, um but like how? How did how did you react? <laughs> so my um, I have a good friend of mine um, who is a major Superman fan and has been his whole life, and we, we kind of grew up together. Um, and I have always been a huge Batman fan. 
Um, I mean, Batman is a big part of my geek origin story. Um, my geek origin story goes back to Star Trek and Batman. Star Trek's what got me into science fiction, and Batman is what got me into um, comic books. And it was uh, Batman the Animated Series back in the uh, early 90s that I used to watch as a kid. And, um, I mean, it, that show, the, the quality of the acting, the animation, and the stories still holds up so well today. Um, and I didn't realize how good of a show it was back then, but I, I loved it. And that kind of got me more interested in comics. I started to buy comics, started to read comics. Uh, I've been a huge fan of uh, almost all the movies. Um, I even enjoyed Batman Forever for what it was. I, I enjoyed, no judgment no here. Judgment. No judgment. I, I liked. I, I thought Jim Carrey was an interesting Riddler. Um, and, of course, Batman and Robin was just... Uh, a steaming pile of crap, but um, that's <laughs> that's a different story. Um, a huge fan of you know the the Christopher Nolan movie, so I I love Batman. And my friend and I were having a lot of conversations about who do you think it's going to be? Who's going to be cast? And I'm like, I want it to be an unknown. I want it to be like uh, you know another British unknown actor because apparently they play all of our superheroes now. Um, and I, I wanted it to be someone we haven't seen before. Um, and he was giving me his list and we were kind of going back and forth. And he's like, I think it's going to be Orlando Bloom. I'm like, that is a stupid decision. Legolas cannot be <laughs> Batman. I don't see that happening. You just insulted your friend when he said that. Oh, I, I, I yeah, I totally did. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and so we were having a lot of fun trying to figure out who it was. Ben Affleck was never on our list. Never. And I don't, it's not because I don't think he's a good actor or anything like that. I just never really imagined him as Batman. Um, you know, I, I, I saw Daredevil a long time ago, and I, I, I don't know, I don't know if it's a good movie or not. I, I, I'd have to watch it again. Um, but over the last few years, I've found Ben Affleck to be an actually a really good director. And my idea of Ben Affleck now is, you know, the guy who made Argo or the guy who made Gone Baby Gone. And those are great movies um, just from a purely cinematic perspective. Um, so I haven't really thought of him much as a guy who might become a big superhero actor. Um, and especially not the guy who's going to be headlining DC and Warner Brothers' biggest comic book franchise. Um, so when I found out, I panicked and I was shocked. And the very first thing I did is I texted him. Um, he texted me back and then, um, he started to like calm me down and he, he, he actually called me. It's kind of like what you said to the Batcave assemble. Um, and we kind of talked it out and then, um, and then I was feeling okay about it because I thought, okay, we, we kind of just need to see what's hap what's going to happen. Um, and I immediately remembered, you know, everyone thought Heath Ledger would be a horrible Joker and that, and his portrayal turned out to be just, uh, really mesmerizing. So I, I kind of calmed down, but that's when I went online and that's when I was like, oh my goodness, what is happening here? Yeah. That's what everybody was talking about. My, my reaction was just, uh, I think I tweeted Ben Affleck, all caps, question mark, <laughs> maybe a few exclamation points. 
Um, but that was it because because uh, I was in shock. The same. I was like, "What is this?" I, w- I needed a reality check first. <laughs> is this real? And um, and yeah, I was surprised. I, Batman is definitely one of the fictional characters I am most invested in and has been most influential to me and that I most appreciate. So it it was definitely surprising. Yeah. And right there, what you're saying, I totally identify with. And I think that's a big part of Nerd Rage is um, Batman is so meaningful to you and to me. And we care about this character so much. Batman is the character that taught me it is possible to have really bad things happen to you. And if you, if you work hard at it, you can grow from those experiences. You know, he, he lost his parents. They were gunned down. They were murdered. And it was the most traumatic thing that happened to him. And it absolutely, you know, changed him. And he tried to find a way to grow from that. And he ended up becoming this, uh, this man who um, really changed Gotham for the better. Um, I love that. And not only has that helped me with my own life and my own traumatic events and the, the losses that I've experienced, but Josue, I use that in my clinical work all the time, um, especially when I'm working with kids and, and teenagers. Um, if they're interested in comic books, Oh, you bet we use Brat- Batman, and we and and the whole Batman family, and what the storyline with Batgirl now, and and um, her recovery from her traumatic experiences. You know, it's um, it it's a great great story for us to have as a, as a culture. Um, so we, yeah, you bet we care about Batman a lot. And so, so what exactly did it for you? Like, what actually calmed you down? What brought down? your reaction it or are you still furious no no <laughs> <laughs> um it was a, a combination of a few things so um talking to someone else um helped and while my friend likes batman he really cares a lot about superman so he wasn't as close to the issue as i was and he was helped me to kind of he he helped me to get back to a more rational kind of a wise place um so that number one was really helpful um and number two, what was helpful was um thinking about uh Heath Ledger and thinking about Michael Keaton and um no one wanted Heath Ledger to be playing joker, i guess besides Warner Brother executives um and then no one really thought Michael Keaton, who was uh what was that movie he was in? Like uh, Mr. Mom or Mr. He was in some like. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom, yeah. And every, when he was cast as Batman, people were like, how the heck are you going to have Mr. Mom, this comedian, playing one of the most serious, respected um, roles on the big screen? And uh, all these letters flooded into Warner Brothers. And, and that's hard to do back then when you couldn't just do email and you couldn't just send a tweet out to voice your your rage you have to actually like sit down and write a letter and then find a stamp and put in the envelope i mean the, who does that anymore um <laughs> so knowing that and knowing that heath ledger went on to play a great joker michael keaton went on to play you know a great batman um in tim burton's movies that helped me a lot um the other thing that helped me seriously the the that helped me was was humor um uh, 
So I went on that list on io9 and I read some of the tweets and the ones that were funny, man, that just wiped away a lot of the for me. Um, I, I pulled up the one that I really loved and it was um, uh, at Cap Steve Rogers uh, wrote this tweet and the tweet says, I love how the internet works. Number one, outrage. Number two, outrage over others' outrage. Number three, everyone forgets and buys the comic or watches the movie anyways. <laughs> I just like started laughing out loud. And that's what, um, that's what led me to write the article. I said, you know, this guy has captured the psychology of nerd outrage um, completely. And um, uh, it, it inspired me to write the article. So that's what helped me out. What, what about you? I mean, where are you with all of this? So right now I'm okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, back then... Um, so again, just really surprised. But then for me, I guess I'm so, again, I'm so invested into the character of Batman and I consume so much Batman content that to me, uh, the, the movie version of Batman is just another, it's a retelling of Batman. So I think that a lot of people deal with the issue that, um, like, oh, uh, like in the Dark Knight uh, Rises, oh, that's not that's not what Batman would do. That's not the real Batman, and I don't think there is a real Batman. There's multiple versions of him. So I started counting in my head how many versions of Batman am I currently um, like consuming at this point, and I made a list, and I think it was between ten and twelve different current ongoing versions of Batman that exist right now. Yeah. So I was like, this is just one more. Yeah. And some of them are good and some of them are better than others. Some of them I don't necessarily care for. Um, like off the top of my head, there's like the Arkham City uh, version, yep. which is a, a whole other version. Um, to me, Christian Bale is still fresh in my mind, mm-hmm. right? That's like another version. Um, there In the comics, there's multiple versions. There's Batman, uh, the regular one. There's uh, like the, the main comic book. There's, uh, I think it's called... Um, Legends of the Dark Knight, mm-hmm. which is like an ongoing and every week it's different. In the Smallville comic book, which continues, there's a version of Batman there. There's Earth 2. There's Earth 1. There's the different cartoons. There's Beware the Batman. There's so many. Yep. So to me, Ben Affleck is just one more. Yep. Yeah. And that's kind of what did it for me. I was like, eh, I mean, do I want the movie version to be great? Yeah. But then I also started thinking, like I, I did read, I, I read a lot of tweets and a lot of stuff online. <laughs> And I think I agree with the fact that he kind of I, – I remember reading somebody – I don't remember who said this, but it was like he'll be the first actor to play a superhero in a movie who has the appropriate jawline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Joss, <laughs> Joss Whedon said that. Um, it, may, it may be. It may be. Yeah. And, and it's so true. It's like, you know what? He looks the part. It's okay. Like he looks – like somebody who could play a superhero. He even he kind of looks maybe. I mean, I don't. I hope nobody hates me for this, but he looks kind of like the animated series version. You know, it's like kind of chiseled yeah, face, yeah. square features. It's like you know. So that's. I think it'll be okay. <laughs> so it, it sounds like for you, what helped was just the idea that um, many different versions of Batman can exist, and that's okay. And, it is okay. Yeah, and, yep. and that's something I, um, I write, wrote about in my article. We might get into a little bit later is the whole process of uh, cognitive dissonance, which is when you've got these multiple beliefs and they're inconsistent with each other. It's like, um, I love Batman. I hate Ben Affleck. And then 
the conflict is Ben Affleck's a new Batman. So whenever that happens, we we sometimes don't even realize it, but we kind of we might change a belief, we might change a behavior. So you might start thinking, well, Affleck will never be my Batman. My Batman is Christian Bale, or my Batman is Kevin Conroy from Arkham City, an animated series. My Batman is Adam West. I I, I don't. I don't know how many people might say that now, but, <laughs> or, you know, you might develop an, a different belief, which is, well, this isn't a serious Batman movie because Zack Snyder's at the helm. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to consider this a real Batman movie or, you know, other people might start thinking, well, you know, Ben Affleck isn't that bad. Um, so a lot of time, I think for a lot of people, the, the nerd outrage was the opposition between these ideas. I love Batman and I don't care for Ben Affleck and, and there's a conflict there, but I think it sounds like you and I were able to kind of resolve it by thinking about these things a little bit differently. For me, it helped to know that this stuff has happened before and it's turned out okay. And for you, it helped out to know the world is big enough for many versions of Batman and Batman's more like just a part of part of our modern mythology and lots of people can play this role. It's like someone playing Romeo and Romeo and Juliet. Like lots of people can play that role. Yeah. And and even if Ben Affleck does a horrible job and he's the worst Batman ever, I think I'll still be okay. <laughs> That's a big <laughs> part of it. Right? It's like we think it's going to destroy Batman forever or it's going to destroy not the film, you know, just um, eternally. I mean, um and that and that I will I can't survive that right like I I can't deal with with that and I think I think you can you know well and then that's a really great point <laughs> one of the things that I I tell myself and other people who are dealing with strong emotions is the emotions not going to last forever your your emotions are like um, they're like waves in the ocean they they start they rise and eventually they hit the shoreline and they crash and they're gone forever. We can write out emotions. And it's kind of the same way with franchises. Franchises like Batman or like Star Trek or like Star Wars, these are major franchises that have become a part of our mythology. And they're greater than any one movie or any one TV show or any one comic. And that's something that Batman and Robin, the movie, demonstrated. Is as, as much as that movie was panned and it, dist- it, it paused the, franchise for, the film franchise for a while, but out of the ashes of Batman and Robin came Batman Begins. And, um, you know, things, things kind of move on. Um, you know, one thing, though, I think that we got to point out here with Ben Affleck is um, a lot of people have been waiting for this particular movie for a long time. So this is going to be some type of adaptation or inspiration from The Dark Knight Returns, which is, you know, the beloved graphic novel, um, which has Batman squaring up against Superman. And the reveal for that at San Diego Comic-Con was epic. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, the way they started referencing the line, you know, I want you to remember who it was who beat you. And then the lights went dark 
and the logo of Superman and Batman were on the screen, and everyone's already realizing, oh my god, this is happening, the, the thing I've been waiting for my whole life, these two characters that I love are coming on screen together, and oh my god, that means we might be moving to a Justice League after that, and like all the thoughts kind of going on in your head, people love that. And, yeah. and then, you know, to find out that this actor is playing it, who people have very mixed feelings about, it makes a lot of sense why people got angry about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, it is. Man, for years, I mean, even before the Nolan reboot, there were talks of a Batman versus Superman movie. Yeah, you're right. We've been and and for me, Batman, um, Superman, Batman is one of my favorite comic books from the recent years. Yeah, and like I love that dynamic between them, and I love the way you you hear how they feel about each other and the way they actually react and and like that relationship is so great in the comic books oh yeah so yeah yeah it is it is a huge yeah i think it is important to mention that yeah the the movie is huge and it is important to us to many of us in for many different reasons and and you're right he is not only going to play batman once he is like there's a justice league movie and if if they decide to take on like batman as they do in the comics like he'll show up in every single dc movie from now on yeah 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 even if just for a second he'll be Um, like agents of shield in the marvel movies and yeah he'll be exactly nick fury yeah he'll be showing up all over the place and yeah yeah, i know it's um he's uh, i've do you ever watch the um how it should have ended series on youtube um, yeah, yeah, they've yeah. they've got a few where they have like Batman and Superman talking about their movies um, afterwards, and it's just like you know it's so fun to see these two characters together, and these are two characters who have had very different experiences, but they're also united by different things. They both have a lot of empathy for helping other people. They both really care. They want to make things better. They both have a lot of loneliness and isolation. And I feel like they, they kind of have this mutual respect for one another um, while also having some very creative differences. And um, it's it's kind of like um, what we saw with Tony Stark and Bruce Banner a little bit. No, no, well, a better example is probably Tony Stark and um, Iron Man and Captain America in the Marvel yeah. movies. The two are better on screen together than they are separate, I think. Because seeing them in opposition to each other brings out um, kind of the things that we love about the characters the most. And I think we all have wanted to see that for so long. We've seen it in the comics. We've seen it in cartoons. And we want to see it on the big screen. And now it's happening. And people were angry that it's happening with someone that they might not like. Which is funny that, like, there was no real... I don't think there was any geek rage about um, or nerd rage about um, Henry Cavill being cast as Superman in Man of Steel. I don't think that happened at all. No, because he was like relatively unknown in big movies, yeah. and he looks like Superman. Yeah. So yeah, and <laughs> if you've seen the movie, boy, does he look like Superman? Um, yeah, that was yeah. quite impressive how much he he, he looked the part. Um, yeah. So I, I guess the thing there then is Henry Cavill didn't elicit strong feelings, whereas Ben Affleck really does. He's, I mean, it's probably not as strong feelings as Tom Cruise elicits, but he's definitely an actor that elicits very strong feelings. Well, and expectations, I think, work a, a big... Expectations are a big part of this, too, because we, ha- we didn't really have expectations of Henry Cavill. Yeah. And 
we have certain expectations. Like, it's fun to hate on Ben Affleck. Yeah. Even despite the fact that he just won an Oscar and Argo is amazing. Yeah, 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 uh, exactly. Right? And it's still fun to do that. And um, so so there's this expectation that, that there wasn't for Henry Cavill. There are expectations for him. But I think a part of it, too, that maybe it, it's harder to remember. Yeah, we have all these expectations of Superman and of Batman. But these are completely new versions of the characters. Mm-hmm. Like, Man of Steel is a – there was never a Superman like this. Mm-hmm. Right, it's a v- brand new version, and I'm really curious to see what this Batman is going to be. Yep, I I, th- I think he's going to be way more super than the Nolan versions. Mm-hmm. Right, I think we're going to see things like him disappearing and and just unbelievable stuff that we probably that we couldn't see in the Nolan movies. But at the same time, we really don't know what expectations to have, and we have that hint about uh, Dark Knight Returns, and that's a very specific version of the character that's not canon, and to think that those elements are going to be in this movie, you know, where he's like a disgruntled veteran. Um, if that's actually how it turns out to be, like our expectations are, 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 are play a huge part into this. Like what, what are you expecting it to be? It probably won't be like what you're expecting it to be. And, and expecting like the worst is, is what people are, are raging about, right? Because they, they don't expect the best or, or something even remotely positive. Yeah. And I think this is a really good place to talk about, emotions for a little bit and and how emotions work you know i think this is a, a this is a question that comes up a lot whenever you're talking about rage or anxiety and things like that and you're talking a lot about expectations and how they change our thoughts and what we want to do when we when you feel this way and i think it's is really useful to to talk about how emotions just whatever the emotion is it's giving us information very quickly about what's happening around us. So, you know, anxiety tells us that there might be danger around. Sadness tells us that there's been some type of loss um, in your life. And anger, it tells us that you've been wronged in some way. Something's happened to you that's not okay. And when we think about this, this nerd rage and with with uh, Ben Affleck and Batman and all of that, people care very deeply about this stuff, just like you and I do and how important Batman's been to our life. And people have been waiting for this thing for a long time. So I think when people like us found out that Warner Brothers was casting Ben Affleck, I think for a lot of us, we felt like they weren't taking this seriously and they that we were being wronged. Fans of Batman we're being wronged because the thing that we love was not being treated with the care that um, it should have. At least that, that's what the feeling was. You know, and whatever the feeling we have, it, it has certain urges. And for anger, the urge is aggression um, to do something physical. Um, so I think if you really think about it, it makes so much sense why we all felt this way. Yeah, and actually, I, I I like this. Let's break it down, right? So I'm gonna go. Let's start with the idea of sadness as loss, right? So when Ben Affleck gets announced as as Batman, a lot of people were probably, I I think the nerd rage um, is like all, all it's sadness and anger and anxiety. Like any of those things can lead to these um, outbursts, right? Mm-hmm. But but maybe okay. So the loss part, right? So it's like we we lost. 
maybe the the potential right of of, of an awesome movie mm-hmm. or this idea in our head of the most amazing movie of all time <laughs> right and the moment they announce ben affleck it's like it's gone that's never gonna happen and and that is a sense of loss like you just yeah. lost hope yeah or something or a loss of a continuation of the nolan series like if christian bale yeah. was cast yes. we thought oh okay this thing that we have loved it is going to live on so absolutely That's, you're right this this massive loss of what could have been i, w- I was holding on to the last <laughs> until that announcement yeah that christian yeah. bale would actually be in the movie yeah i like i had mixed feelings about it but you're right it's like okay so that's done that's never gonna happen yeah yep <laughs> um anxiety right that idea of danger or a threat like what exactly is the threat and i think the threat was to again to the to this idea of this thing that we love so much you just threatened my my favorite thing in the world you're gonna destroy my favorite thing in the world yeah i think the anxiety here was a fear that it might not be successful um a fear that this movie is um not only going to destroy all the chances of a of a good batman superman film but also it's going to sacrifice justice league and you know i mean if we want to talk about nerd rage, we can get into the whole idea of uh, of Wonder Woman and how you know they've com- Warner Brothers has completely dropped the ball on that. And um, I think people are less concerned about Aquaman and Flash. I might be wrong. I, I think you know I say things like that, and then like you know I'll get like ten emails from like the biggest Aquaman fans that are like, "How dare you? I love Aquaman." But I think you know a lot of people want to see not only Batman, and Superman. They want to see Wonder Woman. They want to see Justice League come alive. I think fans of the DC Universe are, um, uh, are feel like Warner Brothers has dropped the ball, whereas Marvel is charging ahead. So the Ben Affleck thing, a lot of anxiety. Is this thing going to be a success? Are, are we going to end up seeing more from this universe? Yeah, and it's scary. It's scary because we love it so much. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And then, and then the anger part, right? Like you said, uh, something that is just um, we've been wronged and it's not okay, or just just the idea of something not being the way we want it to be, yeah, or or how we want it to be is is the way things go. Like, right? Like you did not want your day to go in such a way where you lost your boba tea. No, no, right? I wanted my boba, <laughs> and I was so looking forward. <laughs> Going home, sitting down, sharing my boba with my friends that are coming over, putting on some, uh, playing some video games. Oh my gosh, Jose, I was so looking forward to that. And like you can, th- I'm getting so pissed just remembering that. It's it's absolutely what you're talking about when expectations don't go the way you want, and you feel like you, you've been wronged, like someone has done something to make those uh, to make things go worse for you. Yeah, and and so. I think I think we've we've done a good job in kind of breaking it down and understanding why people would um, actually oh we're why missing, they would react that way. We're missing right? one part. We're missing one which part, one? my friend. Which, which is um like how the internet has changed well, that, all of this. That's exactly what I was gonna go. Nice. With. Uh, I, I wanted to quote your your um your article. Okay. Where you say that due to the anonymity of the internet, we see crazy online troll behavior (laughs) in quote (laughs) so so yeah talk to us a little bit about um the way the internet works anonymity and again 
crazy online troll behavior. <laughs> Thank you for choosing that quote. I now look forward to getting a lot of crazy online troll behavior in my inbox. Um, so, you know, the internet has really changed uh, changed things for, for us when it comes to nerd rage. Because I think what would happen before, if we go back in time about 15, 20 years, and we imagine um, the, uh, the perfect example is Ke- Michael Keaton example, um, where you would probably find out that he's cast on, um, on a TV show, maybe Entertainment Tonight, or maybe the Evening News. Who knows? I don't really remember how that stuff worked. Um, and then you might have felt upset because you just saw um, you know, that, that movie he was in, and he was a comedian, and you're like, how the heck is this guy going to be Batman? So you might start talking about it with your friends who are Batman friends or Batman fans. You might go to the comic book store and talk about it there. Um, Some people might start writing letters, but that's hard to do. It takes a lot of time and you couldn't just go online back in those days and look up where to, where to mail a letter to. Um, There's a lot of barriers to writing a letter and doing things like that. That being said, Warner Brothers still received like thousands of letters, so it was, it was a big deal. But it, nerd rage was handled much more in person back then, and there were a lot of barriers to acting aggressively. Yeah, you could like turn your chair upside down, throw it at someone, and do things like that. Um, but the kind of stuff, like the tweets that we saw and stuff like that, was not possible back then. Yeah, just like offending Ben Affleck directly. Yeah. Who goes up to Ben Affleck directly and tells him in his face that he's going to be a horrible Batman and you hate every movie he's in? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, you can't do that. And if you do that in real life, then, wow, you have a lot of guts because Ben Affleck... Or would you? Or would right? you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's, I think that's the question here. So there was... Um, there's an equation that I put together on this uh, on this article that um, I, I hope doesn't get me in too much trouble. But uh, the equation was anger plus anonymity minus eye contact equals internet troll. <laughs> so <laughs> what I mean by that is um, we've talked a lot about the anger and how that comes up, right? And um, And that makes sense. You combine that with the internet where... For the most part, people have anonymity. Um, even when you have a Twitter account or a blog where it might be connected to your real name, I can't easily come and see you in person. I can't easily talk to you in person. And I could send you an email maybe, but I can't even talk to you on the phone very easily. And people don't even put like Skype accounts and things like that up on the internet. It's hard to have a... Uh, in-person contact with someone on the internet. Like you and me, like we met online and then we kind of met in person at San Diego Comic-Con for like five minutes and then we were lucky enough to spend much more time together at New York Comic-Con. But like you and I would hang out a lot more if we could, but we can't. It's hard. We're, we live very far away from each other. So it's hard to have in-person encounters with people that you meet online, even if you know who they are. So there's much more a feeling of anonymity and the other thing that you don't have on the internet is eye contact. You can't look someone in the face. 
Uh, there was a really cool study that was done uh, recently where um, some psychologists replicated some of the online um, troll type of behavior that you see. And what they found, and they kind of looked at all the different components to see what's the best connection to the online rage that we see, the crazy YouTube comments that people post, the really angry blog comments, the pissed off tweets that people send. Discussion forums. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Yeah, the discussion forums. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's gotten, this stuff has gotten so bad that I think it's, um, was it Scientific American? Shut off comments on their webpage. They said they just threw their hands in the air and they're like, we're not doing any more comments at all. I think it was Scientific American. Um, so this, this stuff is, is really serious. Um, and we know how it's led to a lot of online bullying, how it's led to a lot of um, really, really intense stuff and, and the consequences of that. So these psychologists looked at, they recreated this kind of situation and they were doing, a, they're monitoring all sorts of different aspects of it. And what they found um, the most important thing was eye contact. Having eye contact with someone else keeps us human. It keeps us civil. And I think if you think about that, it makes a lot of sense. We have, up until the last 15, 20 years ago, every social interaction, well, no, I should, telephones kind of changed that. But if you go back, let's say 150 years, Every single social interaction, well, you had letters too, so that changes that. But for most of our history, our social interactions have been face-to-face. Well, okay, so you've got letters, but again, letters aren't something you can do very quickly. They take time. Um, You've got the telephone, yes, but even with the telephone, you've got some human interaction. I will say, though, it's a lot easier to get angry at someone on the phone than it is in person. Um, and now with the internet, we have anonymity, we don't have eye contact. And the big thing that the internet has changed is, um, we can very quickly in the heat of the moment, send out stuff that is now global, that is now visible, visible, that is now, and the thing that Twitter has changed is you can index it by the conversation and you can directly have a conversation with that person. So you can say, hey, Ben Affleck, you suck. You know, you're a whore. <laughs> like, there's a lot worse stuff out there than that. But you can do that very quickly. So when you're in the heat of the moment, when you're feeling like Hulk, when you're getting into that rage point, and you're online, and it's very easy to send out a tweet, and you, d- you have that anonymity, you don't have that eye contact, it makes so much sense why you, why you see some of the troll behavior you do online. You know, just like you said, Josue, the the discussion forums, Twitter, all this kind of stuff, um, YouTube comments, things that are very hurtful, that are insulting, that, um, you know, we wouldn't say in person, we wouldn't say when we had that eye contact, it's so much easier to say those things online. And... um, you know, I think anyone who's experienced that, anyone who's been on the other side of it, can tell you how it has a huge effect on people. Um, there's this idea in psychology that um, research has really supported that losses weigh more than gains. And the way I remember that is um, 
my first ever class that I taught, um, I was kind of poor. I was, it was an intro-psych class, and I was pouring over the student feedback at the end. And the vast majority of it was very supportive. Um, like, uh, we really enjoyed your class. We wish you the best. And there was one comment that I remember verbatim. Um, this man should never be allowed to teach a class again. And I, it sticks out in my mind so much. And um, there's a lot of research to back that up, that losses weigh more than gains. Negative stuff like that sticks out so much more than positive stuff. And we become much more um, risk-averse. We're less likely to make risks when we are worried about losses. And anyone who um, writes online can tell you that, that when you get um, some of the more troll-like comments, you know, it, it kind of hits you. It's, it's hard to, to loosen that stuff. It's hard to forget about it. It's, it's hard to write another article when you've gotten some of it. Sometimes you desensitize to it, but I don't know, man. For me, that stuff still, still sits with me. Do you, um, do you ever watch South Park? Absolutely. Um, do you remember there's a recent episode where they had a new version of Twitter? It was called <laughs> Yeah. It was called Shitter. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the way it worked was it was hardwired to your brain. So you essentially were posting what you thought. Yeah. Right? Immediately. And I think that that's the way, like that's a perfect example of the way this works, right? Yeah. Like that student, like they just this is what I think, and there you have it. Yeah. And on Twitter, it's like, this is my reaction. It's going out there. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not, I don't care about the ramifications. Um, you can't see me. I can't see you. I'm just putting it out there and I'm in a box somewhere, right? And safe. And, and you can't get to me even if you don't like it. So I don't care. Yeah. Um, just that, that is, that is so, so fascinating that people would do like, Essentially, Twitter is like shitter, right? Yeah. Like people are just, yeah. it's, it's automatic. Not everybody, but a lot of people are. And, and I've known people who I follow online and then you meet them in person. And it's like, whoa, like I thought you were this just angry, furious <laughs> person that hated everything. Yeah. Because that's your online personality. But in person, you didn't give that vibe at all. And I'm not talking about you. Because <laughs> you're, you're not negative. You're always online. writing about Ben Affleck. <laughs> always. <laughs> and, and, and it's weird because at least on, on this idea of like the – this idea of the negative way more than the positive, I, like, I tell people do not – like why are you following those people? Like why are you reading that? <laughs> If you were negative, I wouldn't. I wouldn't follow you on the Ben Affleck thing. Like this was everywhere. You purposefully looked it up because you wanted to read it. But, but why? Like why do people? What is that? Right? Like that again. I think it's what you're saying. Like that lack of um, eye contact. Like your your filters go out the window, and you and you you act completely differently. You know, it, it it is a really fascinating thing to to think about because we've all been there. We've all experienced that. And then afterwards, you might be like, well, wait, why did I say that? Why did I do this? And in that heat of the moment, when your anger is up, when you feel wronged, we all want to act immediately. We all want to say things and we all want to do things. And everyone who's listening to this podcast, and you and I included, have all said things when we're angry that we actually didn't mean, that probably hurt people 
And afterwards, we're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I got to apologize. That was a really stupid thing I said. I was just angry. And or you punch somebody or you, before you said anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that too. <laughs> and um, there's a whole idea of, um, of kicking the dog. It's like you're at work and your boss yells at you. You come home. You yell at your partner. Your partner then yells at your child. And then your child goes and kicks the dog, right? Sometimes we, we displace our aggression on other people. And, and things like that happen. Um, but I think what, what's different with, uh, with the nerd rage is you're angry. So you're going to act impulsively. And the internet kind of loosens our inhibitions. It is so much easier to act impulsively on the net. We all have phones now, um, that uh, give us a way to broadcast to the world immediately. Or if not, we're all very close to a computer that lets us do the same thing. And the empowerment of the Internet is combined with the impulsivity of the Internet. And it's almost like it's, it's like having a few beers, the Internet. It kind of loosens your inhibitions, and you say things more openly on the net than you would in person because you don't have that eye contact. That eye contact is the thing that humanizes us. It's the thing that helps us stay civil and pff, that's just not on the net. Um, and and on, on the opposite side of that, the example I gave of like, well, I can just not follow you or block you, mm-hmm. right? That's something that you can only do online. Mm-hmm. I can't, if you step up to me and start telling me how much you hate me or insulting me, I can't actually just turn you off. <laughs> like I need to, I need to deal with that at the moment, you yeah. know? So like just all the dynamics of behavior on the internet are... are are fascinating. Well, cause, different because usually, if someone else says something that makes you mad, you're going to act immediately. You're going to respond. They're going to get more mad. They're going to respond. And then I think we've all seen this, where in a matter of five to like ten minutes, one really like strongly negative comment has now multiplied into like ten, and you give it like an hour, and it gets even stronger. And there's more responses. And eventually, again, emotions are like waves and people, you know, the wave rises and it falls and, and people aren't as upset and they might stop responding. Um, but this stuff explodes and snowballs really quickly. Um, and then with the, with the Internet, with Twitter, with Facebook, people are friends with each other. So someone else might see this comment. They get upset. Now they're writing in it and it's getting faster and faster and it's multiplying and I think that's that's what happens with a lot of the online bullying um, is people are saying things on Facebook to other people that they wouldn't say in school. But the stuff, it has a huge impact. You know, I wrote an article on um, uh, for the World Suicide Prevention Day. And the article was uh, looking at, um, I'm not going to give any spoilers here, but it looked at um, a suicide in Battlestar Galactica. And what I tried to do is use that story as an example of what we can do to help people who are suicidal. And again, this is not, I'm not giving any clinical advice here, but this is kind of what what I did, right? And it was my way of contributing to World Suicide Prevention Day. So I shared this online, and one of the first responses I got was, you a-hole, how dare you racial epithet, racial epithet, write this, you have no idea the pain of suicide and um, you need to go back to where you came from, you know. 
So really, like, stuff that really made me feel pretty shitty. Um, talk about shitter, right? Uh, <laughs> and, and it made me really mad because the very first line of my article is um, I talk about um, the impact that my brother's suicide had on my life. So, yeah, it's deeply been a part of my life. And it's something that is very close to my heart. So it made me really upset that this person was saying something without having even read, reading my article. And I wanted to say something immediately. And I wanted to say something really angry. Like, you dumbass, why don't you, why don't you click on the article and actually read it? That's what I wanted to say. I didn't. Um, and what I ended up doing was like walking away and getting away from the situation. Like I, I had to do that. Otherwise, I would have said something really angry, and I think the, ex- the situation would have just snowballed from there. Um, one thing you said earlier about um, like the bullying and stuff like that—that that, um, is again—it it only happens online. Like maybe that negative comment um, on your site, like I could share that with other people, mm-hmm. right? so I could show other people what what was said and make it worse because more people see it um, on Twitter. You could retweet. Yeah, you can favorite on Facebook. You can share and reshare and reshare that echo chamber idea, right? Again, something that doesn't really happen when it's just you and me having it out, and you just tell me. Like it does grow, and it just becomes this huge. Um, it can it can become huge. Like the potential is there. Yeah, even if even after you regret it, like yeah. you regret it, and now it's like it's taken on a life of its own. Well, there was a um, a famous case in the spring where this visiting professor at NYU sent out this tweet where he basically said, um, I think the guy's lab is something in evolutionary psychology, and he said, um, if you don't have the self-discipline to, um, to it, or something like, if you, attention, fat students. Because you're Whoa. fat, you don't have self-discipline and you're not going to survive as a grad student, so don't apply to my lab, right? And now, you first off, that's stupid, and that that's like a bigoted thing to say, and um, it was extremely, extremely hurtful. Um, the internet community very quickly started responding to it, right? And the guy deleted the tweet, this visiting professor. Too late. Too late. Too late. People took screenshots. Shared it all over the place. It got on Gawker.com, and then it exploded even more. And I think there was a response from NYU as well as his home university somewhere somewhere out west. Um, so th- forever, this shameful tweet that this guy sent out is it's going to be a part of his identity. And I think that's a difference with online bullying and nerd rage and what happens in person is it doesn't live on forever. Sometimes people can make a video of it and that might get shared and live on, you know, but um, in-person bullying is horrible. Online bullying, things move faster and quicker and more intense. And same thing with nerd rage is I've had people have conversations, I've had conversations with people who disagree with things I wrote about in person and that's almost always fascinating. And I almost always learn a lot from those conversations. And a lot of times... I'm like, yeah, you're right. I totally missed this thing. I'm going to post a correction or I'm going to write about that in the future. Online, those conversations tend not to go that way for me. 
unless it's a close friend and I already have a relationship with that person. I'll give you an, uh, another example. Is I, um, I had a guest blog post from a friend who wrote about the economics of Star Trek and how they're kind of silly and they don't make sense. Oh, my gosh. I have, re- I have received so much, um, so many angry comments and emails about that article. And um, I almost wish I could have, like you said, a Google Hangout where I could talk to all these people look them in the eye and have a real conversation about it because people are passionate. They care about this and they want to say something, but so often um, it doesn't come out in a way that's really productive. Yeah. There's a lot of potential for like potential effects or consequences of, of those actions, right? Some of them like a uh, more um, an extreme example would be like you tell Ben Affleck online that you hate him and then but you're actually like a screenwriter or something and one day he remembers you from that angry tweet seven years ago and guess what like Ben Affleck just shot down your movie yeah and your career is done right yeah does, <laughs> I just came up with that example on the fly but um but but like with something like like an angry comment on your website right that might be one of those things where we maybe because like there's potential for a really great conversation yeah like you just said and maybe Maybe we could talk about it. Maybe we could learn something from each other. Maybe I could even, maybe I just think that I am, I have something to add to that, right? And I can, and I can influence you just like you could possibly influence me. So, and and there's so much potential to, so many potential effects and consequences to these actions. You never know how they're going to come get you later on. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's, there's great potential there, just like you're saying. And there's consequences. It's, it's, you know, the whole, it's the whole super, uh, Spider-Man thing. With great power comes great responsibility. Um, and, okay, so there was this game called Fez. And it was made by a guy named uh, Phil Fish. Um, Polytron, I think, was the, the company that, that put this together. It was really popular. I think it was an, um, like an uh, arcade game on Xbox and uh, Sony. It's not one of those like disc games you buy, but one of the games you can download. I think it was on app stores for... Uh, different systems and things like that. Really cool puzzle platform kind of game, right? So people were excited about the sequel. Um, and the sequel was in development for a long time. Um, but there was there started to be some, some kind of nerd rage online about where is the sequel, why is it taking so long. Some people started saying things about um, the creator, Phil Fish. And, um, and then all of a sudden, one day... On the company's website, um, there was this this following statement: "Fez Two is canceled. I am done. I take the money and I run. This is as much as I can stomach. This isn't um, this this isn't the result of one thing, but an end of a long bloody campaign. You win." And later, I think he. Um, he posted on, on, on his Twitter, I effing hate this industry. Um, and uh, because of the harsh criticism and negativity that prevails um, in it. So, I mean, here's an example of, um, you know, it wasn't any one thing, but this developer, this guy who was creating something that he loves, gave up. And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do it anymore. And I I gotta imagine that some of the stuff we're talking about played a major role in that. There's a there's um a YouTube um, series called The Guild. Oh yeah, Felicia Day. Absolutely, I love The uh, Guild. 
So I think it was the fifth season is all about that. Like the head of the MMO company, he's like constantly haunted by all these comments. And every single action of his is influenced by YouTube commenters and um, or, or just online comments in general. And it's it's like a really it's an extreme example, but it reminds me of of, of the of the Fez designer, right? It's like everything that you're saying like it affects me. Like this this is something that um, is important to me, and I'm working on it. And you've just you've ruined it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I have I have a I have a. a, a an opposite example um, in the video game industry too. There's a there's a video game called Infamous on PlayStation, mm-hmm. and there's um, a guy at AJN.com. His name is Greg Miller, and he has this like article. He has this great article on how the first game helped him through a lot of stuff um, that he was going through, through a divorce, through lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. So when they announced a sequel to this game, it's a pretty it's a really good game, um, pretty popular. And then the sequel comes out and they announce it and they show the character model. They've changed the character completely. Yeah. I think he can, I think he calls him like, you know, he's like a douchey version of, of, uh, of the original. His hair is different. There's a new voice actor. He's wearing like a necklace. His clothes are completely different. To him, it's a different character. Now, this guy, he's in the gaming industry and he lost it. Right. But instead of just like being completely, um, non, um, non, uh, let me see if I can think of a word instead of just being aggressive about it or just being, um, offensive about it. He started writing, uh, I think it started as nerd rage and then he calmed down and kid just kept writing and rallying people. And now I don't think that anyone's ever admitted that they changed the character model to resemble the original because of what this guy did and because of how he rallied people and just started a discussion about it and how important it was for people. But it's an example of people did kind of um, react in a certain way. And by making it like taking that opportunity to just talk about it, like, why does it mean so much to me? And, and maybe like, and asking the question, why did you change it exactly? They actually managed to have uh, the, the company change it back. So the character actually, he wasn't exactly like the original, but they brought back enough of the original. So it was, it resembled the same character and yep. people who cared about it were able to appreciate that. I, I love that example. And I, the, I'm so glad you brought this up because I, I don't want people to, who are listening to this to think that we're saying you should not express how you feel online. Mm-hmm. No, no. I mean, some of the greatest things uh, that have happened are a result of this sort of uh, uh, collaborative uh, discussion and dialogue. And um, this this is a great example of that. And I'm, you know, one, one. Can I bring up some Star Trek here? Is that is that? Can we can we of course. can we boldly yeah. go a little bit? All right, let's let's do this. Yeah. So um, you can't talk about nerd rage without bringing up Star Trek in the Darkness, and it is a movie that uh, critics loved. Um, it did very well at the box office. I think people wanted it to do a little bit better, but it was um, still very successful. I think still the most successful Star Trek movie. And yet among fans, it produced a lot of strong feelings. Um, I'm not going to, I don't want to go into spoilers, but I think every fan who's seen this probably knows exactly what I'm thinking about. (laughs) And there's a certain character in the movie and a lot of people were upset about who this character ends up being and certain scenes in the movie that reminded people of 
other scenes from other Star Trek movies. And um, it, it definitely got into that nerd rage, rage territory. And um, a lot of people wrote very, very strong things about this movie. Some, there's a, um, a very long critique of the movie called Star Trek into Dumbness. And there's a lot of stuff like that, <laughs> right? Um, and that got to the point where one of the writers, um, uh, Roberto Orsi, got into a, a very big back and forth on trekmovie.com on one of the message boards about how Star Trek is broken. And he started writing all these things. And it got, got quite nasty. Afterwards, he apologized for it. And he's like, I'm sorry, I'm human. I got upset. And um, he actually ended up going on a really great interview on the Mission Logs podcast and kind of talked about what happened. So that's an example of kind of like the nerd rage we're talking about. But the other side of all of this is there's also been a lot of outcry about um, Alice Eve's character in Star Trek and um, a scene in which she disrobes in front of Captain Kirk for no reason at all and people talking about how this is very exploitive and it's, it's very sexist how this is depicted. It doesn't um, relate to the plot at all. And people have written a lot about this. And actually everyone from J.J. Abrams to Roberto Orsi to um, uh, Kurtzman, another one of the writers, they've all kind of come out and like apologized for this. And they said, you know, you're right. We wanted to like have this add to Kirk's character, but we get how it really doesn't now. And that's an example of exactly what you're talking about, how this part of the internet gives us an opportunity to have good dialogue about things that we don't think are, are right. Um, so, you know, it's, it's very, it's a fine line. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, again, there is potential there and, and we don't, we're reacting first. We're feeling first. We're not thinking about what could possibly happen. We, most people believe, and again, just at, in the moment that if I maybe just aggressively say something in that direction, things will change. And like we have online petition petitions now, mm-hmm. right? Those are huge. People are, make a petition for anything. They're kind of a joke now, right? Which is unfortunate <laughs> <laughs> because, right? Like a petition is is an idea that um, in politics it can actually, it like it works, right? Like face to face, like door to door kind of idea of getting you know strength in numbers. Online, it's so easy that I think a lot of people don't. Don't take it seriously. Yeah. Or the people that you want to take it seriously, they will not. Um, but but there is but again there is there's still that positive potential for for doing something. I don't know for making for making some sort of change. But we never think about what change we want. We just want to like we just don't want that to be that way. And instead of thinking, well, maybe here's a suggestion. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think yeah. what we're what we're now getting into is uh, a, a big part of this is how yeah. you're feeling the anger, and then combining that with what's around you or who's around you and what's happening in the environment or what's happening online. So take, for example, Firefly, um, Joss Whedon's TV show from, uh, from the last decade that was prematurely canceled and just like not handled well at all by Fox. And again, a lot of anger about it being canceled, um, a fan base developed, and there is a campaign to sort of get it resurrected. 
um, the brown coats kind of got it together, and and a movie came out uh, out of. We that. got a movie. We got a movie. <laughs> Who ever thought we that did. would ever no. happen? You know, <laughs> a uh, great movie. A great movie, and yeah. uh, the same thing is true of um, the original Star Trek series. Uh, it was uh, it was canceled, and then um, it came back with a letter writing campaign, and then it was canceled, and then um, you know it's. The show has been resurrected because the fans have done a, a great job of, of keeping the love for it alive. Um, Family Guy was the same way. Oh, it yeah. It came back. That's, yeah. that's a great example. And, you know, uh, the cynical side of me will, was probably going to say, well, that's because of the DVD sales and people see that. But it also takes an effort of kind of organizing and um, the studio feeling like there's an audience that cares about this and that audience wants more of it. That's an excellent point, though, right? That whole idea of vote with your wallet, mm-hmm. right? If you're really so concerned about it, you really don't approve, then then don't consume it or don't buy it, yeah, or don't don't do it. Um, we were talking earlier, right, before the podcast about um, different consoles, and I've said the story here about why I I stuck with PlayStation over Xbox, yep. and I actually I fe- I actually felt wronged by Microsoft, and I didn't write a letter campaign, I didn't yell at anybody instead i just said well i'm just going to stick with one company over the other like i'm going to give one company my money and and not the other yeah and and that was that was my choice and that was how to do it and and if enough people vote with their wallets you can or or just you know in in different ways you can get family guy back right like it sold tons of dvds yeah they were like oh there's money to be made here yeah exactly you love firefly by the dvds and exactly. yeah, no, and that's I'm voting with my wallet on the, on the Star Wars uh, DVDs. Like I I don't like um, many of the changes that happen in the special editions, and um, I haven't upgraded to some of the more recent sets because I, I've got the DVD set of the original trilogy that has both the the um, theatrical original theatrical release and the special, original the original <laughs> original. With Luke on his land speeder and below, you can kind of tell there's like a drape or something, you know, like with all the dirt, all the grime, all the mistakes. Um, I like that because it reminds me of what I, what I saw growing up as a kid. So um, I haven't bought the more recent versions because they don't have the original theatrical release. So that's, that's kind of the same thing is, uh, is uh, vote with your wallet, you know? Oh, um, another example I just thought of was uh, the Mass Effect series, which mm. we talked about earlier. Um, again, before the podcast. Sorry, everybody. Uh, but, <laughs> but Mass Effect, um, it actually, there's, it's a trilogy of video games. And when the third video game, like you're building up a character over time, over years, right? And each game over 50 hours kind of thing, right? I mean, they're, they're gigantic games. And the third game, when it, when it ended, people were so, so angry about it and really just disappointed, mm-hmm. right? The company actually came back and they added to the ending. Like they essentially just created a whole bunch of more content, um, not, not playable content, but um, like a, a cutscenes for the end to kind of flesh out all the plot holes that people were complaining that weren't there. Yeah. Because... Apparently, people made really valid points. Yep, there were it was it was an, an intellectual um, nerd rage, right? Like, wait, 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 wait! You just finished this, and you didn't tell me what happened to this character. You didn't tell me what happened here. Does that matter? I mean, that's up for debate. But to these people, it mattered. To the people who were invested in it, and maybe that matters to the company too. Like, well, it's important for me that you're happy about that. So here are the ideas we had. Here's the content, and and 
and there you go. And now we have a more fleshed out ending for the game that we didn't have before. Yeah, and this is kind of getting into the territory of, of assertiveness, which is, you know, um, expressing, um, expressing your rights. And, um, you know, as a, as a consumer, if you're unhappy with the product, um, you should definitely express that to the people who made it. Because they want happy customers and they want repeat customers. There's a great example of this um, from Facebook where, uh, God, I don't know, it was about three or four years ago, Facebook was going to change their, um, their uh, agreement, uh, what's it called? Um, user Terms of agreement. Terms of agreement, yeah. exactly. And they were going to have the rights to any image that you post. Um, and they were going to own the, the rights to that. Um, again, a lot a lot of rage, and but it was a um, there was a campaign to let Facebook know that if you do this, we are going to stop using your your website, and they they pulled that out of their terms of, of agreement, and I'm sure they've added a lot of other crazy anti privacy stuff, but um, <laughs> that changed, and it's um, the same thing happened with um, uh, Apple Maps when Apple dropped. Google Maps from their iOS platform, a lot of rage, and because their the maps that they produced were not good, and so um, uh, objectively they were not. No, no, I I had some directions from the Apple Maps app that sent me to the middle of the Hudson River. I was like, this is not, <laughs> this is not right. That is not where my boba is located. Um, so it it led to them actually issuing a an apology. And pointing people to other map apps that they could use. That's right. You went out to the uh, to the to the app store, and it was like, oh, here are map yep. apps. Yep. <laughs> and you could download a, a bunch of other ones. And Google eventually came out with theirs again, and and then everything was solved. But um, so it it kind of depends on on the the direction that that the community goes. Um, but here's here's the question I'm I'm, I'm wondering for you, and. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this. So you're a South Park fan, mm-hmm. and um, I'm guessing uh, you've seen the Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull episode. I have. Okay. I have. And I'm, I've seen I've seen everything. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that um, you probably didn't have the most highest opinion of the of Kingdom of Crystal Skull compared to the other Indiana Jones movies. So this is this is a horrible admission, um, but I've never seen it. Whoa. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Uh, I don't go to the movies as much as I used to. Yeah. And um, it's one of those things where actually, and to be honest, I think it has to do with all of the nerd rage towards the movie. Yeah. So many people hated it that usually that'll that'll motivate me just as much as if you say it's good. <laughs> but I, I, I got it in my head that maybe maybe it wasn't worth my time. So I've never gotten around to seeing it. And I, I want to. I think um at least at least nowadays it it has a lot to do with is it is it available at Redbox or on Netflix? And yeah. if it's not there then I probably won't go the extra mile yeah. to to see it. Um or spend the extra few dollars to see that because there's something else I want to see. Yeah. It's a long answer to your question, but I haven't seen it. Well, I, I think that fits into what we're talking about. It's kind of like this idea, I love Indiana Jones. Everyone hates Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to make a big deal about it. Um, or like X-Men 3, like uh, yeah. to me it doesn't exist. Yeah. 
Don't worry. Don't worry. It doesn't exist. It, it goes X-Men 1, X-2, and then um, X-Men Days of Future Past. I think that's that's the order, how it works. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I, Superman 3 and 4 don't exist. Oh, right? no, no. Those are side and non-canonical adventures. Uh, Superman Returns is a sequel to Superman 2. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, well, I, I was going to ask you what what you thought of um, the South Park episode, because the South Park episode, um, now, it it does a lot of things that um, that I feel very mixed about. Like, it's, it's really making fun of rape in that episode and the whole kind of, like, rape culture and, and, and all of that. And, um, and I think a lot of our listeners, a lot of listeners to this podcast are going to be, you know, have very strong feelings about that. Um, and... It also is sort of um, it captures a lot of what was in pop culture at that time about the anger about Indiana Jones, and I sometimes think that pouring out your anger in a more creative way like this can actually help you get your message across much better than like an angry tweet or an angry Facebook message. Well, I think it's more fleshed out, right? Yeah. Like you're actually making points about it. Right, you're you're actually saying something about it instead of just yelling about it. Mm-hmm. Which um, which kind of gets back to everything that we're talking about, where if you don't like the look of the character, express it in in a like civil way. If you don't feel if you feel like Facebook is changing, it's it's what it's doing. Or if you feel like the Star Trek movie was sexist, assert that in a hel- in a civil way. Um, if you're really upset about Indiana Jones, yeah, make this episode um, and do it in a funny way. But you can't do any of those things in the heat of the moment when you're immediately angry. And and I mean, and that episode a lot it shows it shows the worst nerd rage possible, right? <laughs> Where people are like making death threats and things like that to people. Like a lot of people hate George Lucas for destroying their childhood. Mm-hmm. And quote unquote destroying their childhood. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's not exactly what has happened. Yeah. They may feel that way, especially at first. And I think I think that episode really shows that, right? I mean that that's the idea that they're trying to convey. Um in part, right? Yeah, you know, um uh one of my um one of my friends who I've met at, at these comic cons, Brian Young, um, who's he's a writer for StarWars.com, he's really done a lot to convince me that uh, of, the, of the value of the Star Wars prequels, and it's taken me a long time to get over some of my nerd rage about those movies. But um, you know, he kind of talks to me about like I love his rationale for Jar Jar Binks, and he goes, "Look, I know Jar Jar Binks, like everyone hates this guy, but here's what I like about Jar Jar Binks is um, Qui Gon goes, look, Anakin, uh, Padme." This guy's kind of a loser, and he kind of sucks, but you know what? We're Jedi, and we treat everyone with respect, and we're going to have to treat him with respect just like we would anyone else. Um, And when he kind of put it in that perspective, I was like, you know what? There's actually a pretty good contribution. That's a good message for kids to see. Um, So, yeah, you know, I think – and and that's the other thing that Star Wars – I'm sorry, South Park does – is uh, that's also a commentary on nerd rage, like 
how aggressive it was in that episode and the death, the death threats and all of that kind of stuff. And, and I mean, like South Park tends to do, it's like, it's pretty spot on the commentary. Oh yeah. <laughs> they're just showing you, they're just showing you real stuff in a, in a, in a different light. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I, before you said something about being assertive, mm-hmm. right. And, and I wanted to kind of uh, maybe go back to the emotions and touch on them and like, see them in a different light like uh i don't know clinically um exactly how how you work things out right but in my sessions i always we look for these negative feelings and emotions and thoughts and we try to replace them with more positive ones Mm -hmm. right or at least some that are not harmful and 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 actually beneficial Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so so like so you mentioned being assertive right it's that idea of instead of attacking people about something right you can just be assertive and get your point out and really say like, oh, this is, this is how I feel. This is why. Um, maybe we should change this, right? Like there's a big difference between attacking someone saying, you know, you're stupid, <laughs> right? Or a whole bunch of other things, right? Um, like you said to your friend earlier, right? Then actually having a conversation and being like, well, listen, I understand what's going on here, but I, I really want to make my point across. This is what I think. Yeah. Um, and the idea of, Instead of demanding that things be different, right? It's like it's okay. You can ask, right? Like you said before, we're not saying shut up. You can, you can, like. There's a big difference between a request and a demand, right? I demand that this be the way that I want it to be. But I mean, if you want to tell people, listen, I would really like it if it were this way instead. I would prefer it. That's that's a big difference. Yep. Uh, Yeah. It's it's a major difference, and it can actually help you get what you want. Um, which is some change. Like you're angry because you feel like things are changing in the wrong direction or you've been wronged in some way. And I think it's it's uh, helpful to note that most of us can't do that immediately when we're immediately angry. And for, for many of us, um, I know for me, um, some of the magical words that you can say is, it really makes sense why you're angry because, and then fill in the blank. When someone like validates my feelings and helps me to realize that I'm not actually crazy right now. Like it, there's a very good reason for me to be angry. I've got, you know, all this like uh, broken boba cups in front of me, like, and the guy didn't apologize and he ran into the subway and you know, he was gone forever. Um, it, there's a good reason for me to be angry. When people say that, I, I get a little bit more calm and, and it just helps to know that everyone gets angry and these feelings don't last forever. And one day, once they do calm down, if you're still left with that, with some anger, you can do something about it and you can do something about it in a more healthy way. Um, something that might actually help you get what you want, which is maybe, you know, asserting yourself, writing um, writing an email or something else to, to someone about these changes that you're not help, happy about, things like that. Writing to someone, not at someone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, totally, writing to someone. Um, starting a conversation, that's, that's civil. Um, but that, that means putting on the brakes. And what we know from neuroscience is, you know, um, teenagers don't have the brakes yet. The brakes are sort of the front part of our brain, the frontal lobe. That's the thing that kind of slows down our emotions. And the ability to do that doesn't really develop until our late teenage years and 
early 20s. So, you know, that's something that's hard for kids and teenagers to do. And then as adults, when we're on, on the Internet, you know, it, it, there's like no break at all. You can just kind of immediately say something. So I think the, the first step in like managing all of this nerd rage is to kind of find a way to do something that is going to put on the brakes a little bit. Because when you are in Hulk mode or She-Hulk, when you're like a Hulk, not, you're, you're probably not going to get what you want. You might actually end up hurting yourself or hurting someone else. And um, that's probably not going to get you anywhere. And once, and once you stop yourself, right, or you're able to kind of take a moment to breathe, right, because you're, you're just reacting. Like, like you said, um, your friends were able to calm you down. Mm-hmm. It's like I think you mentioned in your article how we're, we're not rational. <laughs> right? we're not rational human beings are not <laughs> initially rational and to get to that point or, or to see things more rationally is is kind of something that you develop over time right yeah and and, and it takes a minute to, to like sit back and, and look at things and say okay, so why why am i angry um because the world hates me that's why uh it it broke all my boba teas um <laughs> right this guy did it to me on purpose yep um, I don't know. He's an asshole. He's racist. He's racist. Yeah. He was targeting me. Um, yeah, yeah all of that. And, and and kind of a reality check at that point. Like, well, you know what? That guy probably like that guy definitely doesn't know me. He maybe didn't see me. He definitely didn't do it on purpose. Probably. Yeah. Or to be like, was there malicious intent behind it? I don't know. Have I ever run into somebody at um? Running out of the subway? Yep. Yes. <laughs> all, all of this stuff. This is all now putting on the brakes a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. And you know, you you got to have both. You you have to help someone and help yourself to understand that it makes sense that you're angry. Yeah, yeah. it really sucks that uh, that uh, the teas broke and they're leaking all over where, and I lost my money. And at the same time, like, was this intentional? It was during rush hour where anyone who's been in New York City in rush hour, it's packed in the subways. And so there's a lot of good reasons for it. And that's where you start to put on the brakes and yeah. um, you, you start... Did it ruin the rest of your day? Did it ruin your experience, right, but, th- that you were going to have later? Well, that's the thing about anger is you, you feel like in the moment that that feeling is going to last forever. Um, and the same thing with anxiety and sadness. In the moment, you feel like these things are going to last forever. And they don't. Our body is built... To, to get back to, to homeostasis. It's built to get back to normal. Our feelings never last forever. I know uh, one of the previous episodes, um, you were talking about ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy. And that's a big part of, of, um, of that treatment is helping people to be able to face the feelings that they're having and knowing that these feelings don't last forever. They come and they go. Yeah. It felt yeah. like my night was was ruined, but it wasn't. I probably, I think I ended up watching an episode of of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, or and then everything was fine. <laughs> I mean, I I think it is it is worth noting that, for example, in the case of sadness, right? There is there are very strong feelings of sadness, right? We usually equate that with depression yeah. and things like that. And if you are in a rut because of you know, like you, you don't want to get out of bed in the morning. You are crying all the time about this. Like that's that's something that 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 is something that is affecting you negatively, 
yeah. you know, um, and and something to keep an eye on um, if it's not going away. Like it's sh- usually normal reactions are they they will subside over time. Yep. Like I ideally, even though you're you're sad about something at the beginning, um, eventually like the the opposite or like the, a more positive way of looking at it is like concern. I am definitely concerned about Superman uh, and Batman. I, I'm concerned about the quality of the movie. I, I want it to be okay. <laughs> yep. But I'm not I'm not sad about it anymore. Yeah. You know? And if you can get to that more positive uh, or or less negative emotion or, or and thought process, then then you're okay. If that's not happening, then you know, look look into it, maybe maybe seek out some help. Yeah, absolutely. If if these things are starting to really impact the quality of your life. Um, you, you might want to consider getting some help. So if it's, if you're having a hard time enjoying the things in your life that you used to enjoy, if you, um, if you're crying a lot and the sadness isn't going away, then maybe you're struggling with, with, uh, depression. Um, same thing with anxiety too. If, um, the anxiety is causing you a lot, a lot of distress or it's limiting what you can do in your life, you're avoiding a lot of things maybe it's time to get some help. Same thing with anger. If the anger is causing you a lot of problems, it's messing up relationships. Time to look, in for it, look into it. But the moment-to-moment stuff like we're talking about, usually those feelings do come and go. Man, the clinicians in us really came out here at the end. <laughs> well, that's what it, so that's one thing I wanted to ask you is clinician to clinician, how do you manage your, your own anger? What do you do when the stuff comes up? Yeah, so everything I was saying at the end is pretty much like the way I view things. Um, is this is this some? I do reality checks. I really uh-huh. do check in to see what I'm thinking. Does that does that make sense? Is it real? Is it true? Yeah. Like, is Ben Affleck really? Did he destroy my future? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't. You know, even though it felt like that, the, like that way at the beginning, and not even like Ben Affleck, just Warner Brothers in general, right? Everybody. Um, just reality checks, and then again that idea of um, since it's 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 what I do every day. I do look at to the the opposite reaction, mm-hmm. and to, to kind of get to that point. So again, instead of fear, concern, instead of um, attacking, being more assertive, right? Mm-hmm. And and really checking. And I'm also very aware of my feelings. I hope I try to be, mm-hmm. and and that's a big part of it, right? And to be able to sit with it. And I'm not somebody that's very. Re- reactionary i don't i don't usually just immediately say what i'm thinking or you know i try to sit with it for a little while let it simmer (laughs) and then and then go with it so so for me that's that's kind of i've learned over time to really calm down yeah um and and sit with it for a minute before i do something that i might regret later and and i think i love the fact that we touched on the opportunities that these things present yeah. Like, yeah, there's a lot of emotion here, so maybe we can do something constructive with it. Yeah, like, you know, the, the emotion just means that we care. It means we're passionate and we care. And if people weren't emotional about this stuff, that means the franchise is dead. And it means that no one cares about this anymore. Like, you don't have anyone having nerd rage about, uh, what was it, Space 1999, that old TV show. Like, there's no nerd rage about that. That, that franchise is dead. That show is gone. Um, so it just means that we care, and I like what you're talking about because it's all very skill-focused. Like, these are all skills that we can learn or improve. Um, yeah. 
And that's, yeah. that's a big a part of what I do in my own life, and it's a big part of what I do with the people I work with. Um, I draw in from some of the training I've had in uh, dialectical behavior therapy, which is really, really fancy words for what basically is uh, skills for managing your emotions and relationships better. And so I'll do, I'll do stuff um, like um, just engaging in another activity for a little bit until my feelings um, get back to normal. So um, a big one for me is listening to music. And to listen to music that actually calms me down. Um, for a long time, people used to think that a good way to deal with anger is to punch pillows and to throw things and stuff like that. But now research has shown us that that kind of stuff just makes us more mad. Yep. So that's not a good activity to do. But for me... Um, uh, listening to music can kind of just come, and I know you're a big music guy too. We've had these other discussions yeah. about like film scores and stuff like that. Um, that that'll calm me down. Sometimes, um, um, I, I, as you can guess, I love tea, and so drinking a good tea helps me out. Um, and like you were saying, thinking about things differently. Like, okay, this situation I'm in right now, it might be bad. But you know what? I've been in worse situations before, and I've gotten through that. I can get through this. Um, another one that just really helps me, watching funny YouTube videos, just <laughs> creating a different emotion. Um, and another thing we know from psychology is uh, uh, positive emotions physiologically undo negative emotions. They just un Negative emotions have a very strong effect on our body. They release cortisol, all this kind of stuff. Our body gets very tense. Fight or flight starts getting activated. But when you experience positive emotions, it just undoes that, all that stuff. It like turns off the switch on negative emotions. So just watching something funny usually helps. And then um, exercise too. Oh, um, yeah. On that. Like go for a 30-minute walk. And again, research has shown that uh, after about – 30 minutes um chemicals in your brain start reacting in a way that uh can help you out just the same way that, like humor and laughter helps you out oh you know that is exercise is like the best antidepressant anti-anxiety treatment we have um it, it, it does so much good for us and i think the 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 thing getting back to what we're talking about with nerd rage is putting on the brakes before you hit that submit button yeah, <laughs> you know, because the internet, it's it, remember that lack of eye contact, it makes it so much easier for us to say things very quickly in the heat of the moment. So finding someone else to connect with, using one of the skills that we've talked about, put hitting the break before you hit submit, um, those kind of things really help me out. And I, I struggle with it all the time. There's times when people say things and it gets me rattled up and I, I have to do these other things. Otherwise I might say something that would be like nerd rage on, on Twitter or on my website or somewhere else. Well, that was one hell of a discussion <laughs> on nerd rage. I am very, I'm very, very happy. We finally had this conversation. Oh, me too. Me too. That was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And I think we could probably talk about this for, so, I mean, we didn't get to, the, the the DC Comics reboot, the New Fifty Two. We didn't get to. Uh, so actually, this will be this will be good, right? So I have a whole um, list 
of things that I, I thought would good examples of nerd rage. So yeah. how about we just go through the list without really going into detail, right? Okay. But, so I, I had New 52. Yeah. Definitely had that Me there. Too. Okay. What else did you have? I had um, the Battlestar Galactica reboot and nerd rage about Starbuck becoming a female character. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I have black actors in white roles. Ooh. So like Perry White, uh, the Kingpin. Yeah. Um, even just discussion recently about... Um, um, oh, actually, and Sam Jackson is Nick Fury. Um, discussion about uh, Johnny Storm being played by Michael B. Jordan. Like, people are really reacting weird ways about that. Like, I think people, like, get racist through nerd rage. <laughs> 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 right? Again, it's like, no, my character is just this one thing, and you cannot, he can't possibly be portrayed by a different race. Like, come on. Which is, that's a very similar <laughs> thing to the Battlestar Galactica one, is yeah, yeah, you can't definitely. have um, you can't have a cigarette-smoking, womanizing character played by a, a woman. Well, you can't have Starbuck be a woman, yeah. right, necessarily, right? It's like, Starbuck is a thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can't be that. Yeah. 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 Um, I had, okay. um, we, we kind of talked about this, the Star Wars prequels. I had that on there. Yep, I have the Star Wars sequels episode seven being directed by the director of star the star trek film yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good one jj abrams yeah yep. i've got the um original judd dread movie um where it was sylvester stallone was playing judge dread and you saw his face like throughout the whole movie and that's like <laughs> the biggest part about the characters you like don't see his face i have uh ultimate spider-man i don't know if you're familiar with the comic book mm-hmm. i'm not so so Ultimate Spider-Man is actually how I got back into comics um, as an adult because there was less continuity and things like that. But a couple of years ago, they killed off Peter Parker, one. Hmm. And the character who continued in the series as Spider-Man is a character named Miles Morales, who is half black, half Puerto Rican. Wow. Um, and a lot of people reacted on both fronts. Like, how can you kill Peter Parker, first of all? And second of all, Spider-Man can't be a half black half puerto rican kid yeah. living in brooklyn yeah. come on like, <laughs> peter parker's from queens why you know there was all this stuff and and in comics you still do have um letters to the editor and they do publish them in the back yeah. and people do react um in incredible ways uh but at least like the editors get to respond usually about that kind of stuff well i'm gonna I, one of the ones i have on my list is uh, the death of superman back in the 90s and not so much the death of superman but what happened after? What happened after? You know, all they started these four other Superman characters. Who's the real one? You know, you had the Man of Steel, you had Superboy, you had all these other ones, and people had strong reactions to that. And I think I think Man of Steel was um, was an African American individual, and there was some nerd rage about that. I might Steel, yeah, yeah, Henry Irons, yep, Steel. And then the other thing, the thing that got me angry was, you know, I was a young kid back then. And it was expensive. It was expensive to try to buy all of these different comics to try to keep up with the storyline. And I felt like they were just trying to exploit fans and to try to like create all these collectibles where people were having to spend so much money. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I can imagine, again, as kids, like we couldn't afford it. But if we had the money, it would have been kind of exciting to see like these four imposters and see who which one of them was supposedly going to take up being superman although in the end superman came back in the end it was none of the above in the the end all the time you invested was like no it's it's not these characters it's this other dude who looks like superman and is you know yeah superman he's he's just back 
Oh, we're still angry about this one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that would still, yeah. Let's let's move on. You know, as we talk about, let's use a skill. Yeah. Put on some bricks yeah. on that. Yeah. And and it's funny because the New 52, which you mentioned briefly, um, DC reboots their entire universe. Not the first time they've done it. No. But probably the first time they've done it so thoroughly. Yeah. Um, so actually, none of that happened <laughs> in the new version, right? I don't think any of the Death of Superman stuff actually happened. No, but what has happened is, is he's got that collar now in his uniform. And uh, I don't know, man, I'm not a fan of that collar. I like the rest which, of it. Which but... I, I think the, the practicality of it is that it covers up um, his chest hair from popping out. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Henry, Henry Cavill could have probably used that. Yes. Yeah. Um, What's next on yeah. your list? Um, let me see. I'm jumping around. Um, let me throw it out while you're looking. Yeah, um, yeah. Give me one. Yeah. The 2001 Planet of the Apes movie. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> again, again. It's like it's one of those things where, just like in the Star Trek example that you gave from before, like who are the people that are mad? And they're fans of the original series. Yeah. Yeah. The people that are mad, like I was young when Planet of the Apes came out, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. I liked it. And I've seen the the ones before, and I can again, like now looking back, I'm like, well, they're different versions. I'm okay. <laughs> we reboot it again; it's fine. <laughs> but that's a good example. Um, let me see. I have Star Trek reboot, Bad Black. Um, actually, I had a few different examples of the just the new Fifty Two. Um, ah, Stephanie Brown. Like that's when uh, Stephanie Brown per, was the pa- last person to portray Batgirl mm-hmm. um, before the new Fifty Two. And as a character, she was beloved. And she was probably one of my favorite characters in the DC universe. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of people do take this personally because the character disappeared. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of characters have been, like, butchered. Right? They've been changed completely. But Stephanie Brown disappeared completely. Even so bad that in um, the Smallville comic books, which are, like, out of the regular continuity of um, the DC comic books the writer was going to bring who he was the writer of the stephanie brown version of batgirl and he was going to bring her in as nightwing um in the comic book and and he announced that and everybody was excited because we finally got some mention of stephanie brown as a character and then apparently they they forced him to change it because when it came out it was not stephanie brown anymore Wow! It was actually it was actually Barbara Gordon. So yeah. we've had, and that felt like really personal. That was like, oh, you really love this character? You're really excited about her coming out? No, no, you can't have it. <laughs> you cannot have Stephanie Brown. And for now, two years after New Fifty Two, there's been absolutely no appearances of this character that was very, very famous and loved by a lot of people. So this, God, this is so interesting because I'm having the mirror situation that you had with Planet of the Apes, where. I wasn't reading Batgirl prior to New 52, and mm-hmm. I have been post. And, yeah. you know, I really like what, what Gail Simone has been doing with this character. And full disclosure, a good friend of mine, Andrea Ledimenti, is like the therapist of this, this is the clinical psychologist in Canada. Funny story. Funny story. When she came on the show, she was on the podcast. Yeah. I, w- I knew about this, yeah. and we talked about it, but it wasn't really announced. So she said, I can't really, I don't want to talk about it because <laughs> I'm not sure if it's really going to happen or how it's going to happen. Like, I just heard about it. And I always wanted to talk to her about it on the show. Yeah. But we're like, no, 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 let's not discuss it. Um, <laughs> so 
but yeah 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 so she has been on the show talked about cosplay oh yeah so, no and she's she's awesome and um a good friend of the show a good friend of uh of of me and um so she's kind of like in canon with this so i love the new bad girl i had no idea this happened prior to the the reboot and i can totally get why fans would be upset about that yeah and 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 actually another just to stay on the bad girl topic barbara gordon had become this symbol for disabled people people who are um so she she used to be in a wheelchair mm-hmm. and she used to be bad girl gets shot is in a wheelchair and then she becomes this force within the dc universe as oracle and she helps yep. everybody out she's yep. like she's just she's again a force within dc universe she helps everybody out she was amazing she was the symbol right like oh so you're in a wheelchair so what you can still be an amazing hero and then the new 52 completely erased that it's like oh you got surgery and you can walk again yeah and a lot of people felt felt again wronged by that like wait 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 so so what are you saying are you saying that now you know, people who are in a wheelchair can't be heroes. Yep. They have to be able to walk to do that. A lot of people were, were reacting about that. Yeah. I think that's an example where um, there's a very good reason for why people are, are feeling this way. And it's, it's yeah. something that people should be vocal about. I've got, let's keep it in the bat. Can we keep it in the bat family? I got another follow up that's totally. So in do I. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. We might have the same one Batwoman. Ah, what about Batwoman? So, I love Batwoman as a character. DC forbade, um, forbid, I should say, the marriage of Batwoman, um, who's Kate Kane, and her fiancé, Maggie Sawyer. And the writers of Batwoman basically um, quit the series. And the series won a ton of awards last year and has been doing really well. And DC just really dropped the ball on this. And, and their reaction was... Uh, Oh, it's not because of uh, because she's she's lesbian. It's it's really because we don't want any of the superheroes to to marry. We don't think the superheroes should be getting married. And to give some historical context of why this this was so um, impactful is that when the character of Batwoman was created, she was this um, gay rights. Um, advocate it was so amazing the whole reason why she she used to be at west point and in the comics she leaves west point in opposition to um don't ask don't tell mm. oh so god like now wow. so now right we think about like oh don't ask don't tell doesn't exist but at the time she was amazing um in in just standing up and being that person she said i'm not gonna i'm not gonna stay here and deny my identity just because of this stupid law. And they mentioned Don't Ask, Don't Tell explicitly in the comic books. So she did all of that, and then she leaves, and she does her own training. She gets saved by Batman, and she's inspired by him, becomes a hero in opposition to all that. And then the fact that she's lesbian is just like, you know, it it it, it is like a core part of her identity and, and all this stuff that happened. So then that's why now not letting her get married feels like a slap in the face. Yeah, yeah. And it it just feels so... Um, it feels like DC was so tone deaf in, in terms of where the whole rest of the country is um, on this and how popular the character is. And um, that, yeah, that just was, uh, uh, it, it sounded like it inspired a lot of rage in the writers enough for them yeah. to, to leave the series, which is a yeah. huge loss. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
just quick New 52 stuff. I, I had written a whole bunch of stuff down, but like Superman and Lois Lane aren't married anymore and they have been for years. Um, Superman, uh, Batman's son was killed recently. Uh-huh. One of my favorite characters. Huh. Oh, Damien. He's like this little brat, but he's like an amazing character and he died in the series. I mean, a lot of people were, that w- that's one of those where like people are probably more sad than, than anything else. Is his dog still around? <laughs> uh, his dog still is around. Yes, yes. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But New Fifty Two all around, just a lot of again because it's dealing with all this history. Yeah. Right. If you're new, like the whole idea of the New Fifty Two was reboot the his the the everything so everybody um, so new people can come on and enjoy it. And to be honest, as much as it it may we may hate the fact that these things are happening to our favorite characters. It doesn't erase the fact that we still have all this amazing content. Yeah, yeah. That's so those stories still happen, and we can still read them anytime we want. That's what I tell people who are, um, you know, my, my the where where I put my geek flag is Star Trek, and um, yeah. I have all these discussions with people about the new J.J. Abrams movies, and they're like, "Well, I don't, I don't, I hate them," and I'm like, "Okay, that's cool. That's that's totally your your perspective, and I can see why that is. Your DVDs still exist." For the other shows and the other movies, and people are saying, "Well, he destroyed the timeline." I'm like, you know, I, I don't think that's the. Way, I don't. That's not how I see the story. I, I see it as a parallel universe. But yeah, if yeah, everything still happened. Everything still happened, and they address that in the movie too. Yeah. In the new movie, they're like, "Well, how did it happen to you?" It's like this is this is what happened over here. Yeah, and yeah. here it's happening different. Yeah, but you can still watch the old stuff if you want. Exactly, it's on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I have Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay. Intro- oh, the casting. Yes. Yeah. People. So this is one of those novels that are so popular right now. Yeah. Like huge fan base, rapid fan base. Yeah. And the moment they announced the casting of the lead characters, people flipped out. These were online petitions, letter writing, everything. That was that was a pretty big deal. Um, to again to fans, I've I've not read the novels, mm-hmm. so I don't have a picture in my mind of what the character should be. I don't either. Yeah, I haven't read. Yeah. So, but people who were fans of it were just, again, uh, just a uh, crazy online troll behavior. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and 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 I don't know if it worked, but they did recast the the guy, the main character, which was what people were so mad about. So, like for a month, it was this one guy, and then. He either backed out or the company backed off and they recast him. Wow. Wow. Very interesting. So, yeah. you know, yeah. sometimes that stuff works out. Uh, Star Trek Voyager had a different um, captain cast for the first day and they filmed for like a day and then she left and then they cast Kate Mulgrew and it really worked out. So who knows? Maybe it'll work out. Yeah. yeah. I've got a related one to that. Well, it's not. This is not related at all to Fifty Shades of Grey, but it just kind of made me think about it. Um, Watchmen, the um, the graphic novel versus, which is believed to be, you know, the greatest graphic novel of all time, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the movie version, Zack Snyder's movie version, and how it changed the ending. And again, not to give anything away, but in the comic book, there's a certain thing that happens in New York City. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, they totally change what that thing is. I think for the better. Me too. Yeah. Okay. I agree. All right. I was just, I was, I had great trepidation with that statement because I didn't know how, where you were on this. But I think. I hate you now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Geek rage. Uh, 
I think it works better as a movie. Um, yeah. yeah. I think that people who were not familiar with the story, if they would have done what happens in the comic book, people would have like walked up and left or thought, what the hell is going on? Yeah. This is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's where, that's where you and I might have, um, a difference with, with certain people who might say, well, this is how it happened in the comics. This is how it should happen in the movies. It has to happen the same way. Yeah. You cannot right? change it. Right? How many times have you had that conversation with someone? Where it's yeah. like, look, you know, different stories work in movies versus TV versus uh, comics. Yeah. And and in Watchmen, like in the comic books, they're like middle-aged overweight spandex wearing like it's very different yeah. you know um and to show that on screen wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been the same movie yeah. i'm not saying you can't make a movie like that and it'd still be great but it would have been a different movie yep yep i agree i agree um do you have any other examples i've got yeah i've got some um the last airbender oh now you're touching something very oh <laughs> it sounds like that was a little raw for you you know, because the series, the cartoon series is so amazing. Yeah. And then, and I actually like um, M. Night Shyamalan. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was excited. It, as much hate as people have for all of his movies, I like all of them except Avatar, yeah. The Last Airbender, or The Last Airbender. Well, that's the, yeah. You know, I, I really loved um, um, Unbreakable. Yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed that one, and I thought it was uh, just um, such a creative way to do the the superhero story. Superhero story, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I've I liked the guy a lot. Um, it's uh, it's unfortunate that things have worked out the way they did, and yeah. this... and that's one of those where I feel the potential of the movie. Yeah, like there was so much potential, and I it, yeah, oh, that was rough for me. Yeah, what, that was rough. wasn't there some concerns about? Um, who they cast too in the lead, like it- yeah. So so yeah. So the the series has a very like Middle Eastern feel. Yeah, and all the characters are portrayed by European, white, Caucasian actors, and and sometimes not not the not the like the extended tribes and families and things like that. So yeah, it was it, it seemed a lot of people were concerned yeah. about it. Sounds yeah. sounds similar to the concerns about the the villain who was cast in uh, Star Trek Into Darkness and how uh, he's yeah. supposed to be a certain person and ends up being a uh, a British dude who does an amazing job but is a British dude playing. Uh, Don't say anything. I'm not. I'm not about yeah, I'm not. I'm not going there. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um, I have. Uh, I brought up an example. I wasn't sure how to bring it up exactly but it was uh, when when the conan movies got rebooted Mm -hmm. and they had a new actor i don't know how much hate there was i think there was a lot of hate like why would you do this and then it's weird because now it's like well yep there was that version of conan but now arnold is going to come back and play conan in a new movie so whatever and i always thought that that was really strange Yeah, yeah. And it's like, so you did it, and, and it didn't react, uh, it did, people didn't respond well, so we can always go back to the old thing. It creates this weird precedence. I mean, that, that's kind of how I felt about the, the amazing Spider-Man movie. Um, I, I really enjoyed Sam Raimi's first two movies a lot. I think the third one just had too much stuff in it, but I would have loved to have seen his fourth version, and it seemed like Sony wanted a number four um, 
much sooner than he could have made one. So they ended up just starting from scratch. And I didn't really feel like they needed to do that this soon. So, um, But I voted with my wallet on that one. I just didn't see it until it came out like on Redbox or something like that. I, I love the new ones. So I'm glad that they... It's like we have one and two. Three, I'm a, I agree with you. It's just, ugh, that one offended me. And then, <laughs> But I'm very happy with The Amazing Spider-Man and, and, and what they're doing with that. Yeah. It, it, this new one will be interesting to see what happens with this one. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, I got one that you might not expect. Mm-hmm. Um, Duke Nukem Forever. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> okay. So... For those who are not familiar, um, Duke Nukem was a video game um, that came Get out. Some. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yeah. Came out like a long time ago. Um, I think it was like in in the mid nineties, early nineties was the original. Yeah, I think yeah. something like, like Duke Nukem three D. I think it was like nineteen ninety six. I think, and it was uh, like over the top. Really like hyper violent, hypersexual, like uh, it was strippers everywhere yeah. in the middle of like an apocalypse. <laughs> it's kind of like um, Grand Theft Auto as a first person shooter back in the nineties. Kind of, you can kind of think about it like that. And um, the the studio kept hyping up the sequel, and uh, they kept showing off demos of it at the big video game conference E three. People were excited. They're saying this is like going to be the everything you love about the original, like, times 10. And it kept being delayed and kept being delayed, kept being delayed. And people are saying, like, is this vaporware? Is this something that's just, like, not going to come out? Is it, um, is it never going to happen? And then eventually it came out in, uh, I think, 2011 or 12 or something, and it, uh, like, was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and again, a lot of people wanted that so badly, and then nostalgia kicks in, and then once you get it, ugh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, very, yeah, you did surprise me <laughs> with that one. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, the only other things I had, um, so we can keep going with your list, was essentially like console wars and, and manufacturer wars and things like that, like iPhone particularly. You know, like people are so passionate about, um, I think, I mean, you've tweeted about this, so I know you're the kind of guy who lines up for the new iPhone, <laughs> right? You're so, outing me here, Josue. I am, I am, and and people love to hate people who like that. What's so wrong with doing that? Like you love the the technology. You're gonna get a new phone. There's this whole positive experience that everybody shares when they do it, and people love to hate on it. Yeah. Yeah, and the vice versa is true as well. As um, Apple fanboys love to hate on Android and and Windows um, and and all the other stuff. There's a lot. Remember BlackBerry? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, so sad. So sad. It was such a popular platform. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, so I, I mean, I always think I, I I love to see that whole dynamic play out, where you're having such a positive experience and people are still just so like negative towards you and they feel it's okay to make fun of you and that gets into some of the uh in-group out-group stuff is just being a part of a group makes you prefer that group over other groups and it just kind of automatically happens and you're right the console any like hardware war stuff you see that Uh, i talked to steve kuniak on the show about this uh when e3 came out we were talking about who won e3 
and why do people care? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 that's actually where I I had my story about like how I cited like the PlayStation treated me better than Xbox, and so I voted with my wallet and chose one or the other. But the way you look at the events and 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 again, yeah, like you choose. It's a team mentality. This is my team. That's the opposing team. So obviously we have to go back and forth and hate each other. Yeah. Yeah, and like, what does that even mean? Who won E3? Like, what does that even like? Yeah. like it's not like you get an award or something. Yeah, well, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it is. I think once you once you start making the sports analogies, it 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 just it kind of normalizes it. Yeah, because it's absolutely true. It's I belong to this team, you belong to that team, and a lot of it is fun going back and forth, but sometimes it goes too far. Well, speaking of sports, I, I know you use a lot of sports analogies to explain uh, geek culture, and mm-hmm. I had um, the Patriots on here, and um, Tim Tebow uh, signing on to the team, and how fans were so angry and upset about that, and started actually like mocking him online. And going full on nerd rage uh, against Tim Tebow, and um, I think this happens in sports all the time. Is you care again, strong feelings. You love a team, and um, if you feel like the team is doing something that is going to um, be bad for them, you're going to get really angry. Yeah, yeah, um, and I mean, and the way the ownership we take over these things, and how much we identify with a team. Is, is fascinating. I was talking to someone yesterday who, um, from Boston, Red Sox fan, obviously, all his life. And for the first time in his entire life, he didn't go to a game all season. Mm. So even though <laughs> the Red Sox just had, you know, an amazing, amazing season, he was, like, not invested in it because he was not able to be a part of it like he was before. Wow. Was like he didn't, he almost, he didn't feel it as much. Because he couldn't be a part of it. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is fascinating. Maybe, maybe nerd rage is part of that of of just being a part of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, I, if I, if I don't join in on the conversation, then I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fan. Or it's like, I think I think that a lot of people feel that way. Like, we have to talk about it. I have to react, or else I'm not involved. Yeah, I mean, I wrote that. Uh, I wrote an article uh, before the Super Bowl about um, how. Um, Geeks and jocks are two sides of the same coin, and how much we all have in common, how, how much we all like doing, uh, uh, like living in our universe, whether it's through um, uh, like uh, fantasy football or through uh, role-playing games, and how we all like to like, uh, dress up, whether it's through like wearing jerseys or cosplay or stuff like that. And I think... Very similar stuff happens in the sports world as it does um, in the geek world. Yeah, and I think I think it always helps to to explain um, geekdom through sports, and and people get it a lot better. Yep, like cosplay and things like that make a lot more sense to people who aren't in in geeky circles. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. All right, what else you got? Anything else? Uh, do, 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 do. I had a, you. I think you already mentioned this um, with the Sony stuff and Microsoft stuff, but I had the Xbox 360 Red Ring of Death on here. Um, I had um, Alien. Well, that's that's. And I need to comment on that because <laughs> <laughs> because that's one of those things where there are expectations, yeah, right, and some of them are unrealistic and irrational, 
And some of them are, I think, more rational. Maybe I'm being irrational now. But like when you pay a certain amount of money for something, there's like an expectation that it'll work, right? Just like yep. even if it's a car or any consumer electronics, like you, do, you have an expectation that you just spent hundreds of dollars on this thing. And, and it's dying. And I'm not the only one just all over the place. Like that's, that's yeah. So yeah, people were, um, that's one of those where you can understand why people were bothered by that. Totally. And I think that that's one of the ones like we talked about um, changing character in a game that you really care about or a um, sexist portrayal in um, Star Trek, a show that's uh, or a franchise that's really about an optimistic vision of the future. I think those are areas where it makes a lot of sense um, and people should really be voicing their uh, their feelings about that. Um, I had Alien versus Predator here. Huh. Um, okay. and, and I think that's just more like the movie wasn't that good and people were waiting for it, but I don't know if it qualifies at the nerd rage level. Um, <laughs> uh, a big one is the Matrix sequels. Ooh. Wow. I want to <laughs> do a whole episode on that. <laughs> you know what it'll really make you mad? You just don't get it, man. You just don't get it. That's why you don't like the sequels. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like watch them. Just try to listen to the architect's speech a few more times and try to have that make sense and you'll then, then you'll love the movie. And it's like, no, he's really just talking in like Latin gibberish and Arago and stuff like that. Uh, that's, that's one of those movies like The Matrix means a lot to me. That's one of my milestones. Yeah, like developmentally, I think even. <laughs> yeah, I... it just it just made it just changed everything for me. So I feel like I get the sequels, and I pre I love the sequels. And why why so much silence? <laughs> like <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people. Yeah, that's usually the reaction. I've met very few people who, let alone, uh, you know, think that they're okay to to think that they actually love them like a lot of people hate them and will say like you know to me they don't exist it's just the first one yeah and so. that gets to that cognitive dissonance stuff too i love the i love the matrix i hate the sequels uh and so the the rationale there is uh those sequels don't exist to me you know um I, the the first matrix movie was a a big part of my life too i think for any anyone who was like really growing up in the 90s it was it was kind of like our generation star wars where you go into it and it just kind of changes everything about how you see movies and cinema. And, um, and I think it had the same effect like on special effects as Star Wars did. Uh, that being said, I think the, the sequels, just they're different movies. Um, there are a lot- you just don't get it. I just don't get it. <laughs> and, and, and it is actually, this is actually one of those things, probably the biggest area where I will draw, where I, not, not anymore really, I'm, I'm saying it jokingly, but where I did draw lines. Or I would watch, I would show the movie to people, and if they didn't understand it, it was like, then you're that you're not part of my group, you know? It, yeah, it, it, I don't think it's I don't understand it. I just feel like the sequels, they're just different movies. The the first one is a bit more intimate, and it's a smaller story, yeah. and the sequels are much much bigger stories. The, the second one goes much more into the last human kind of uh, human refuge and the. The last one gets much more into kind of the, the machine world, too. They're just different. Um, I saw them, and I watched them again, and I enjoy the Dragon Ball Z-inspired fight at the end of the last one. 
Um, but they're they're just different. I mean, if you want if you want to really get some nerd rage going on this podcast, we can talk about Doctor Who. Why? Why would you? <laughs> why, how would we? Like, what? <laughs> it, it 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 might get it wouldn't get adversarial. I don't think because you 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 don't you don't watch it yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, no, okay. I I um. <laughs> you're like, what are you trying to say? Where is this going? I I, I can like I see you right now in my mind, like ripping your shirt and becoming the Hulk, like preparing to. Um, it's um okay. So the the nerd rage part for me, and I'm saying this as a guy who's only watched two episodes of the most recent beginning of Doctor Who, like the the mid-2005 or mid-2000s version, right? Um, I only watched two episodes. I haven't watched more than that. But the nerd, one of the parts of Nerd Rage was um, I I felt like BBC had an opportunity to really embrace diversity and give us a a new doctor that um, uh, had a different, uh, cultural background than all the other doctors we had seen, either being a person of color or being um, a female. I think the show is perfectly designed for that. The premise of the show is. Um, and it kind of reminds me of Quantum Leap, where Scott Bakula would sometimes play a woman, sometimes play a man, some plays, plays different characters. And um, I was really disappointed that that didn't happen with the new doctor. So there's that. And then there's the other part of nerd rage that other people might feel against me because I just don't get it yet. I just don't get. You're the science fiction psychologist. I know. I know. I know. (laughs) This is my geek confessional. Uh, There's an expectation. There's an expectation. And um, because because I write about the psychology of science fiction, um, I'm trying to get back into it. It's it's my uh, it's on my to do list. Um, I want to watch a few more episodes before the 50th anniversary episode, and I want to watch that with a few doc- a few Whovians. Is that what you guys are called? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but I, I have felt a lot of geek rage when uh, uh, directed against me when I when I talk to people about that, and usually it's in person, and people are friendly, and they're like, "Okay, let me help you figure this out," and. Uh, but online, it's been much more like intense. Of course, of course, anonymity. <laughs> anonymity, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please watch some Doctor Who. Come on. <laughs> yeah, come on. I'll make you a deal. I'll make you a deal right here on the podcast. Okay. Um, give me five episodes to watch. Got it. And I'll watch them. You got it. You got it. And I'll watch them before the fiftieth anniversary. Gotcha. That works. Yeah. We're doing our online shake here because we're on Skype. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> um, that could be, um, I'm watching Deep Space Nine. Yes. Right? My favorite. Uh, yes. Yes. So I am, uh, this is, this is our deal. I'll watch more Deep Space Nine. You watch uh, a few Doctor Who. <laughs> Sounds good. You name the episodes and I will watch them. I will. Right after the show, I'll, 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 I'll send you a list. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, actually, right here I have prepared a, uh, a list that I can send you immediately. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So this was, this was a, a fantastic conversation. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to talk about this. And, um, and obviously, I think we can talk about a lot more things in the realm of science fiction and geekery in general. 
Absolutely. And psychology. Absolutely. And this was great. I um, so I hope we uh, we can continue to uh, to geek out together. It was uh, so much fun. Thank you for having me on the show. I love the show and uh, look forward to uh, to hopefully uh, this starting a conversation and hearing from the listeners about what their experience has been with Nerd Rage. Yeah, and of course. Um, you coming back on the show depends greatly on the nerd rage reaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might be shooting myself in the foot here a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you offended a lot of people today. <laughs> yeah, probably. My nerd rage post has generated a lot of nerd rage itself. So you know. What so if do? if people want to uh, gear, um, if people want to send right yep. some horrible messages to you personally or positive ones of course where can they find you online how can they reach you absolutely so um you can go to brainknowsbetter.com and there you'll find all my stuff about the psychology of science fiction soon to be perhaps an article about doctor who as well we shall see um and if you'd like to reach me on twitter i'm at ali matu a-l-i-m-a-t-t-u uh, and you can email me at ali at brandnosebetter.com. And if you want to send um, horrible comments or positive ones to us, <laughs> you can find us at geektherapy.com and on Twitter at geektherapy. Thanks.